We've been uh, looking at some of the lies that the world believes. Uh, and today we're going to uh, look at the lie that uh, the, the goal in life is my personal happiness. And to start out, let's go to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. gives us a conclusion of the whole matter and we're going to um, look at what the matter is today but he says let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man and notice that duty is added for uh, help help to understand but maybe it really detracts because this is the whole of man. This is the whole purpose of man is to fear God. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so uh, this is uh, number five in this series of uh, lies that the world believes. Uh, we first looked at the idea that truth is relative that how I see truth is may not be how you see truth, but my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth and it's just relative. But the Bible, and even just, just using your brain a little bit, you can see that this world is a world of absolute truths. Uh, and absolute truth flows uh, from God and Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, in the life. Then we looked at the lie that kind of thinks that life is random, that, you know, success in life or no success in life it comes from being in the right place at the right time or in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the fact that, uh, that you know, it's just kind of a roll of the dice on how my life is going to turn out. But we found that the Lord know he has a plan and he has actually a plan for each one of us. And uh, he's purposed some things and he's uh, designed some things and that uh, life is not random. And we looked at some specific examples how that, that when Joseph was sold by his brothers, they, even in all of that, all of that hard, hardness and all that heartache that Joseph had to go through, it was God in the, in the works of all of it to preserve his, his family, the, the nation of Israel, 
in that time of famine. And we found similar things with Ruth. And if you just go out throughout the Bible, you can see that time after time, God is in the works of our lives. And he's bringing us to certain places at certain times. And, and that life is not random, that we have a purpose. And we need to align ourselves with the purpose of God. And then the then third lesson, we talked about tolerance and how that many people consider tolerance as a, as a noble virtue. And if you're not tolerant of other people's ideas and other people's uh, opinions, then you're going to find yourself uh, in, in uh, difficulty, that people want you to be tolerant. But uh, the Bible says you shall know the truth, and this truth shall make you free. And we can't be tolerant that the Lord wasn't tolerant. And so tolerance in relationship to people, uh, we ought to give the benefit of the doubt. But tolerance in relationship to biblical teaching or to doctrinal things or to truth cannot be given an inch when it's wrong. And then last week, uh, we showed you a little picture of a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer and the idea that the things that I have have lasting value. And we all know that they don't. We all know that when you die, you leave everything behind. But we, we pour our hearts and our, and our activity and our energy and everything into things and stuff and how that stuff uh, doesn't go with us and that we ought to lay up treasures in heaven and not treasures here upon the earth. And we've, uh, in introducing these lessons, we've talked to you how that, that Satan is the one who sows these lies into people's lives that he is the great liar. He was a liar from the beginning. Uh, uh, Jesus said of him, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. And so uh, we find him very early in the Bible, you know, lying to Eve and said, Has the, hey, did the Lord say you should not eat of every tree of the garden? Did he really say that? And then he contradicted completely what the Lord said. He told Eve, you know, the, the day you eat this F, you'll be as God. You'll know good from evil. And ye shall not surely die when God said that you will die. And, uh, and actually, uh, Satan, when he said, you know, when you eat of this, uh, you'll be as the gods knowing good from evil. And actually, that was true. They knew good, but found the inability to do it. And they knew evil, but they couldn't escape it. And, and so uh, Satan is the father of lies. Now, today we're going to approach this idea of uh, the goal in life is my personal happiness. And let me read you a little bit of an article that I found on the Internet. Uh, this is a conversation between a young believer or someone who says he's a believer and a religious teacher, pastor. I'm not sure he's a pastor, I think he might have been. This young man said, I just don't believe God wants me to be so unhappy. The pastor said, I'll never forget those words. I just asked a young man, a professing believer, why he thought it was very, why he thought it was acceptable for him to leave his wife for another woman. 
And this response was a tragic verbalization of a lie too many people believe, that the goal of life is personal happiness. While most people don't articulate it exactly in these terms, they live in a relentless pursuit of their own personal happiness. There is a nonstop quest because they're effectively chasing rainbows where satisfaction constantly beckons just beyond their reach. There's always another dollar to gain and another pound to lose. There's always a better car to drive, a nicer place to live, a bigger prize to win, a more enticing romance to enjoy. For most people, happiness remains an elusive destination. But we can't always have what we want. Even those who do possess the means to fulfill of their material desires and personal goals find that happiness, uh, find that happiness of those achievements fleeting and hollow. That's the nature of worldly happiness. It's rooted in insatiable lust and a sinful pride. No matter what sinful man achieves and accumulates, his wretched heart only longs for more, for the unrepentant soul there is no true satisfaction or lasting happiness. And uh, as I, uh, uh, I think I have always given you this quote before in these lessons, but uh, someone asked John Rockefeller how much uh, it takes to make him happy, how much does he need, how much money does it take to make him happy, and he said just one more dollar. And so it's kind of like, uh, my dog Molly, uh, she's a beagle, and uh, sometimes we take care of Becca's dog, which is a lab, and the lab will get its food and it enjoys it, you know, it, it eats it. And, uh, and Molly, uh, I should call her Hoover, because she vacuums it up. And as soon as she does, she wants some more, and she wants some more, and she wants some more. And, uh, and that's the way it is in life, that we want more and more and more, and that what really matters is, that, am I happy? But let me, I'll say this again at the end, but uh, the goal in life is not happiness, it's holiness. And uh, we find this in this uh, book of Ecclesiastes, if you if you go to the first part of this book, I finally recognize you, Ryan. Your wife's been feeding you good. <laughs> We're glad you're here today. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The words of the preacher, the sons of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The word vanity means an emptiness. I like to describe it as a warm breath on a cold day. You can see your breath for a little bit and it's gone. And so he starts this out and he asks this question. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? What, what is the value of life? Where is the purpose of life? Where is the happiness of life? Where do I, where do I 
obtain meaning in life. And so when we get to the end and they say, here are the conclusions of the whole matter, the conclusion is answering this question. What is life all about? And you know, this book, Ecclesiastes, is not taught all that much, but I think every youth group in a church ought to have to study Ecclesiastes because uh, it, it, it gets right down to the very core of purpose and meaning in life. And so he starts out here, and he's going to try to search out the purpose and meaning to life. And, and he, he uh, searches an, an, another, uh, an, an, a, a number of areas. But he says in verse 13, he, he says, uh, uh, well, let me read here a little bit more. One generation passeth away, another generation cometh, verse 4, but the earth abideth forever. And that sun also rises, and sun go down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goes towards the south. So he says, the things in life are cyclic. I guarantee you that it's going to snow again here in Alaska. All the rivers run to the seas. The Chena River is constant. Ever since I've been here, it's constantly running to the ocean, and the ocean is never full. Things that are full of labor, they cannot be uttered. And uh, so he's talking about, you know, what's, what's the bottom line? Where's the purpose? And he says in verse 13, And I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven, this sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. And so he says, I'm, I'm trying to search out a purpose and meaning to life. You know, uh, where, where, where is my purpose? How can I be fulfilled? Where is my uh, personal happiness if we talk about being fulfilled in life? Where, where, is, where are we going to find that? Well, he... Uh, he, the, one, of the, one of the places he searches for it is that he wants to gain wisdom. He wants to learn new things, see new things, do new things. It's always fun to experience something new, to experience flipping your craft in the Delta River. That's new. Or to float the Delta River. I don't know if you flipped it or not. Caleb said you got wet, maybe because of rain. Okay. Well, you know what it's like to be in a wet canoe with rain on your, running down your neck. A new experience. And so he says there in verse 17 and 18, I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived this also as vexation of spirit. For much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. And then in verse 14, I've seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He said, he said I went out to, uh, looking for new things, new experiences. I want wisdom. And he said, everything I saw is just like a warm breath on a cold day. I mean, you can see uh, Denali. Uh, in a, in a, a, you know, you, you, go, you could go see it uh, once in a lifetime, or you could go see it every day. And eventually, it's going to become ho-hum. And uh, like the northern lights, you know, oh, it's too cold to go outside and see them tonight. I mean, it becomes ho-hum, and life becomes uh, ho-hum. And, and, he, and he's just saying there that uh, 
that in giving his heart to wisdom and trying to learn new things and see new things and develop his knowledge, he says, in the end, it's a vexation of spirit. Uh, he says, he says uh, uh, in much wisdom is much grief. Like my, my wife sometimes says more and more lately, I don't even want to know about it. I don't want to know about it. I, you know, just be quiet. I don't want to know about it. And uh, sometimes in more wisdom is more grief. And so he, he searched for a purpose in wisdom. Then in chapter 2 and verse 1, he said, In my heart go to now. I'll prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold this also in vanity. And so he searches for a purpose uh, to life in, in uh, um, where did I put this, in pleasure. Uh, he searches for a purpose to life, let's, let's say in the good times. And let's see how he, what he come up with. He says there in verse 1 of chapter 2, I said in my heart, go to now, I'll prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. It's here and it's gone. I remember the very first time I caught a king salmon. And man, uh, you know, I was whooping and hollering. I remember the first time I killed a moose. And I was whooping and hollering. But uh, I, I, I don't live on that plane all the time. And there's been low times and high times, low times, high times, you know. And then sometimes it levels out a little bit before it takes a dip again. But he said, this is vanity. Looking down verse 3, I, I sought my heart to give myself to wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly till I, till I might see what was that good for the sons of men which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life? And so he, he just says, it, it's become vanity. Uh, it's, 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 uh, he's not saying, uh, we'll get to there, but he's not saying that it's not, it, you, we ought to live stupidly. He's not saying that we shouldn't have pleasure in things that we do. But he's saying it's temporary. It's not lasting. There's no real long-lasting purpose in it. And then, in, uh, and then he says, then he's going to search for a meaning in his works. Solomon brought conduits of water to Jerusalem. He did all kinds of advancements in Jerusalem and great stalls of horses and many things you can read about. But he says in verse 4, I made me great works. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to pour my life into working. Some men work, 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 work. And, and, and they don't even know how to live life unless they're always busy. And then they're trying to find a purpose in life by working and building things and doing things. He said, I made me great works. I built me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards and planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith 
and the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house. Also had I great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of kings of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments that of all sorts. And I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. This was a portion of all my labor. And so Solomon, in, uh, in uh, just uh, the classic definition, was a very, very, very successful man. Verse 11, then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. And so he summarizes it. And I turn myself, in verse 12, and I turn myself, behold, wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do that cometh after the king even that which hath been already done. Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly as far as light excelleth darkness. So he said he wasn't putting down wisdom. And he said, you know, wisdom excels stupidity. But the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceive also that one event happened to them all. He said, even though I'm wiser than the fool, in the end, the same thing that happens to him happened to me. Then I said in my heart, as it happened to the fool, so it happened even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. And there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever. The wise man dies and the fool dies, and in a hundred years no one knows. Seeing that which is now in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man as the fool? Therefore I hated life, because the work that was wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And so, uh, interesting word, hated. He hated life. Because his focus was wrong. He that hath the son hath life, and he hath not the son hath not life. You see, if we're gonna if we're going to make our focus on personal happiness, it's gonna result in dissatisfaction with life. I want you to note uh, some phrases here. In 2.18, he says, Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun. Note the word, under the sun. And then uh, in uh, verse 9, 14, 2.11, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 22, it's all, it's all a phrase, under the sun. 
And uh, now I want you to get this. Uh, look, look in chapter 2, verse 24. He, he says, there's nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. And so, although he tried to find a purpose in life in his works, he's saying, listen, I'm not saying to pitch out, you know, become a bum. But he's, he, and he's saying, God has given us the ability uh, to enjoy labor. There's just something about a man uh, and uh, mankind that when we've labored hard in, in the end of the day and you finish the job, that there is, you, you, your, your, your bones are tired, your body's tired, but there's, a, there's an enjoyment that you've accomplished it. And, and he says here that, 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 God is, that that's from the hand of God. In verse 24, there's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and, be, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God, that God gives that, that ability who can eat or who else can hasten hereto more than I? For God giveth to man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he giveth travail together and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. And so Solomon is not saying we shouldn't work hard. Solomon is not saying that I shouldn't seek wisdom and learn new things, and see new things. He's not saying that we shouldn't enjoy life. But what Solomon is saying is the purpose, the happiness, the inner joy, if this is, you know, if this is the sun, and we're working under the sun, this is on the horizontal, horizontal, on the horizontal plane that uh, purpose to life is not going to be found on the horizontal plane. It's not going to be. Choose anything you want to do. And purpose and meaning and fulfillment in life is not found on the horizontal plane. Which brings us to the fact that we're going to have to go to the vertical plane. We have to look up, and we have to have a relationship with God in heaven. And so that brings us to chapter 12, where it says in verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This question about how do I, where's, where's life at? Where's the value? The conclusion of the whole matter is to fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Jesus said in John 10, 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. In 1 John he says, he that hath the Son hath life, and he hath not the Son hath not life. And so that word life isn't just talking about, it's a, I think last week we talked about bio and zoe, 
bio, biological, just life living, but Zoe is purpose and meaning to life. And he that has the life has the son. And so, uh, our purpose, go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And so we said a, a number of weeks ago, uh, we talked to uh, give you a quote out of the Westminster Catechism. And I put a little, I didn't that day, but I will today put a little uh, uh asterisk by Westminster Catechism, uh, they're Calvinists, and so watch what you read there. But they ask this question, what is the chief and highest end of man? And the answer to that catechism, catechism question was, man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to, to fully to enjoy him forever. We were created to uh, glorify God. And what's strange, what's strange about all of that, with the focus trying to do everything we can to glorify God, what is strange about all of that is that's when we really begin to live. that life takes upon great purpose and great meaning. And so true happiness is only possible when we lift our eyes off of the horizontal and go to the vertical. Now go with me over to Psalm 73. In Psalm 73 we have another man Asaph, who was going through some of the similar things that uh, Solomon was trying to answer. He's a living life. He's trying to find purpose for life. He's trying to find where he could throw his anchor. trying to find what he can be invested in so when his day of death comes he can say it was good life was good and he's struggling look what he says here truly God is good to Israel even to such as are a clean heart. And so he's uh, godly enough to know that God has blessed Israel. He's godly enough to know that God blesses those who are in right relationship with him, a clean heart. But, 
I'm an exception. I know that God is blessing you, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. You're on a roof. I remember helping roof this building uh, in the fall, in late October, and it started to rain. And it was just a, it was just a frame building, so there's no heat inside of it. And and soon as, <laughs> soon as the water hit the roof, it froze. You don't want to be up there. <laughs> well, as for me, my feet had almost slipped. He's uh, he acknowledges that God is God and God's good to Israel, but he's struggling. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Lord, I've, I've tried to serve you here. I've tried to do this. I've tried to stay away from this. I've tried to govern my life. And uh, every day is a struggle. And these guys over here, it seems like all I got to do is get out of bed and the money rolls in. I was envy, envious at the prosperity of the wicked. Well, there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. And I think we spoke about this just recently, but, you know, most people think that, uh, you know, that people come to a reality, lost people come to reality on their deathbed. But I think you'll find that a lot of death, a lot of lost people just go into death believing like they've always believed. There is no heaven. Or all people go to heaven. There's some that struggle. And you would hope that some would look at their bottom card uh, at the point of death, but if they didn't look at their bottom card uh, throughout all life, and he's just saying here that there's no struggle in their death. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. You know, they can go, they can go buy brand new cars every two years, and you're trying to keep your old clunker on the road. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain, and violence covereth them as a garment. It's like these football players and basketball players uh, that you see when they're off the court and they're walking around and they got all this gold hung around their neck, and uh, Pride. I've got it. I'm a self-made man. Their eyes stand out with fatness. A tendency for fat people. They have more than they could, their heart could wish. They don't even wish for anything. They got more than they could even want. Like Solomon said, he kept his heart from nothing. Whatever he wanted, he could have. Solomon took everything that Solomon wanted, he got. They're corrupt and speak wickedly. Concerning oppression, they speak lawfully. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. His employees are loyal to him and they get a full cup. And if someone says something, hey, you know, what you're doing is wrong, 
They say, how does God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Where's God? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. And so God's blessing them. Life on the horizontal plane is very favorable to them. They're living in happiness. But it's not the joy that passeth understanding. It's not a deep-seated internal joy. And then he said, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, I have washed my hands in innocency, for all day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. He said, I've lived a godly life in vain. I've tried to live biblically in vain. <laughs> and then he says, I'm plagued and chastened every morning. Someone might say, I'm, you know, Pastor, I'm tired of living this Christian life. The world's prospering. And I'm just going to go back to what I once was. And you say to them, go ahead, try it. And the first thing that happens is God turns them over his knee and he gives them a whipping. They can't. He's chastened every morning. And so he's saying, I can't live like them. God's blessing them. He won't bless me. And when I try to live like them, I just get called on the carpet. You ever been there? And why does God call us on the carpet? Because he's got something better for us. We're going to inherit the kingdom. And he said, if I say, if I speak like this, he, this is all things he's putting down, coming out of his heart onto the page, inspired by God, but actually Asaph experiencing them. He said, if I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. So I got my grandkids all around me and my kids and and I and, and I'm and I'm looking at the world and how you know I could have become a a lawyer. Uh, in fact, when I was running from the Lord, that's one of the things I wanted to do is become a lawyer, and uh, not, God forbid, a preacher. And uh, and I could have my family around, and I want to say. Just go live life, you know, forget about this religious stuff. But if I say that, it's going to offend them, and I know that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And I don't want to discourage them from looking to the Lord. And so this guy's a mess. He's a, he's a mess. And if you want to live a mess, just keep living right here. 
just keep living right there. And he said, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Man, <laughs> it was eating his lunch. One of the signs of a truly born-again child of God is they come to realization that they can't live like they want to and be happy. It's too painful for me. Until I went to this sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment. They're utterly consumed with terror. As a dream when one awakes, so, Lord, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. And he says, so foolish was I and, and ignorant. And he says, um, I was as a beast before thee. To, to living here, it's foolishness and it's ignorant. And it's like living like a beagle dog. I just want more. Just give me more. Susie won't let me, but I've, I've often wanted to bring out the dog food and give her bowl after bowl after bowl and see where the limit is. There's a, there's a, there's a very sad verse in the Old Testament where it said God gave them what they wanted but sent leanness to their soul. And so he understood their end. And uh, nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. Thou hast holding me by thy right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Glory. I've been looking a little bit. Uh, maybe I'll try to develop a message. But I've, have you ever heard a message on the glory of God and the glory in the Bible? Uh, I don't think people preach on it because uh, <laughs> there's too much of it. <laughs> the glory. We're going to be received into glory. I guarantee you this. There's nothing like it in this earth. Whom I, who, am, who have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart felleth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Why, why do we want this stuff on this plane here when God can be our portion forever? The relationship is more important than stuff. And so happiness... What, what is this deal about happiness? And he ends up on a real solid rock when he begins to praise God and, 
And he said, For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish, thou shalt destroy all of them, thou go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. For of him, that great verse in Romans 11, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And so this idea, this lie, what's most, are you happy? You know, if you're not happy in your marriage, then do something else. Are you happy in this job? Well, we'd want to have a job that we could enjoy, but uh, maybe God wants you to be there in that job for another reason. That this world has embraced the lie and it's crept into my door, it's crept into your house, that I just want to be happy. Susie can come to me, what's wrong with you? I just want to be happy. And the bottom line is that, of that is, well, uh, quit living for yourself. Straighten up. Matthew 6.33, a reference you know, but a verse that needs to be cemented into our hearts to overcome this lie. Take note, verse 24, no man can serve two. Uh, you cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, verse 25, but yet for your body, what you shall put on. And he, says, he talks about how he takes care of the fowls of the air. And then in verse 32 or 31, therefore, take no thought. He's not saying don't make plans. Don't provide for your family, but don't be anxious. Don't be worrying over what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we be clothed with. What kind of parka can I have? And, you know, can I have, what can I be clothed with? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek horizontal, the horizontal people. The horizontal people seek these things. But we're vertical people. We ought to be vertical people. And he says here, Your Heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto thee. Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient in the days of evil thereof. And we have to take that with the whole Bible. He's not saying to not to plan. He's already told us about the ants that provide for themselves, put lay up in store. He's not saying that. He's not talking about being stupid. But he is talking about our focus and where our true happiness is. That it's in the Lord. And what I find, you know, here's the deal. Uh, we were uh, talking about this this morning uh, a little bit in a different light, but 
what I find is uh, a lot of times the most miserable people in the world are Christians. Because the lost person, he knows what he's after. He's going for it. He wants stuff. He wants all he can get. He wants to enjoy life. He's going to pour his life into, into uh, wisdom. He's going to pour his life into good times. He's going to pour his life into work. And that's where he finds his fulfillment. He's trying to fulfill it, but still there's a void there. But you see, the saved person, he wants to live right here, and he's miserable. God's people are often very miserable because they've not sought first the kingdom of God. So where's happiness? Well, happiness is whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. Happiness is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things so bad unto you. But you see, <laughs> the question about happiness ought to really be thrown out the door. Because it's not about happiness. It's about maybe the lamb that was slain received the reward of his suffering. It's about living a life that brings honor and glory to God. And we may go through some good times and bad times, and some, of, some people may go through tremendous persecution in this life, and they have. But Paul said that the suffering of this life is not even worthy to compare. It's not even worthy to compare it with the glory of the future. And so I have to, every once in a while, uh, have pounded into my heart over and over and over again. This is not my home. It's not my home. I'm here for one reason, for a brief moment in time, and that is to honor God. But I'm going home. And there'll be no tears. They'll all be wiped away. And it'll be joy forevermore. Okay? And so let's live for the glory of the future today. Don't believe the lie that your goal in life is to be happy. No, your goal in life is to honor the Lord. Okay?